Welcome back, Disney Workana viewers. Today I want to start a new series of videos focusing on a topic near and dear to my heart, the finance of Disney Workana. In this series named Disney Workana Finance 501, I will focus on all types of financial topics, but most are related to individual card prices, as opposed to, say, the financials of how Robinsberger is doing with Workana overall. Although if data for that is available, who knows? Maybe we'll discuss it at a later I'm here to try to arm you with knowledge to help you in your journey of purchasing, selling, and trading Disney Workana cards in the most economically feasible way possible. For the first two episodes, I want to discuss the basics of individual card pricing in Disney Workana. What drives the prices of the singles you'll need to play the game? At its very core, Disney Workana operates like any other good and services. Prices will be determined by supply and demand. So why are we even covering Disney finance in Disney Workana? What are we going to cover in this series? Well, essentially, finance of, of the card game helps determine how much it's going to cost you to play it at a competitive level. As well, you'll need to know how much your collection is worth at any one given time. This way, you know that everything you're doing with Disney Workana is, quote, worth your time from both a collector and a player perspective. So what are supply and demand in Disney Workana? Well, simply stated, supply is the amount of any given card that is available in the marketplace. And again, I'm talking about individual cards here, not, uh, not like overall demand of boxes in general, but we'll get into that later. So since we're talking about single card prices today, we'll say that this supply represents the overall amount of a specific card that the secondary markers have on, market sellers have on hand at any given time. We already know Workana will be highly attractive to secondary sellers, singles dealers as we'll call them today, both online and in person. So I assume as an overall product, leaving the potential of underprinting and the lawsuit issues on the side, you have a large number of secondary dealers competing with one another for your business. Demand for Workana will be how much the player base desires the card for various reasons. Demand for Orkana in general will also be high for both players and collectors. For a reason I'll expand upon more in our next video, but just so you know, general definition is the desire for any card will be its demand in this example. The other thing we're trying to reach here is what's called the equilibrium price. What this chart shows is a realistic supply and demand curve in relation to the price for any good and service in the world to find what we call that equilibrium point what says right there, that market clearing price for the price of any single card in Morcana. For any card, I assume the high demand for various parties will be met by the equally high supply by the large number of people existing as secondary dealers. Theoretically, once an equilibrium point is established for a single card, it can only be changed by these factors. If you look here, increased demand will drive prices up as the lower price cards will simply be bought out. The sellers are able to charge more and still sell their card. There's also decreased supply. Assuming a constant demand, prices must rise as the ability to replace the card once it's sold is decreased. Thus, it costs more to replace it. These costs obviously have to be passed on to the ultimate buyer. In the world of trading card games, normally this discussion starts with demand. Card's price will stay constant until something happens to change demand for that card, thus disrupting this equilibrium or market clearing price. 
This does not mean that all card prices go up to meet a constantly rising demand. Demand can fall for a card, creating a situation with too much supply, thus decreasing its overall value. What will be the main factors of supply and demand in Disney Workana in an attempt to find this initial price equilibrium? Glad you asked. So let's start with the supply side, since it's very easy to determine it has less overall factors. Now, I do want to state up front that I understand that there's probably going to be issues with overall supply of Disney Workana when the game launches that will have a dramatic effect on the prices of individual cards. This is because we may literally have a limited supply of the game overall for at least the first month of the game until it's totally saturated within the local game store market and within the big box stores. That is not something that typically occurs in the TCG market, especially when you're looking at things beyond our first set. And recently I'm seeing that certain primary dealers are getting their full allocations. So this may not even be a factor, but know that I'm not really adding this as part of our supply discussion. I'm gonna assume a steady supply will exist. I'm also not gonna discuss any implications of the ongoing lawsuit between UDE and Robinsberger and how that may affect singles prices, because I feel like if those issues are relevant at a later date, I'll discuss them in the same issue around supply um, at a later date if that if that actually becomes an issue. So when Disney Workano launches, the main way that dealers in the secondary market will get access to singles is by opening packs and sorting. This means the main factor of supply will be how much product dealers choose to open and how much of each card they will open in those packs. I'm gonna assume the answer to the first question is a lot. There's gonna be a lot of this opened. So the key factor of supply to determine its value will be its rarity. So in the first chapter, packs of Disney Workana will contain around 12 randomized cards with a breakdown of six common cards, three uncommon cards, and two higher rarity cards. That's rare, super rare, or legendary. And one foil card of any rarity that is the same determined in the other way. We know this set has 204 cards in it, but as of this recording, which I'm doing this in mid-June 2023, we do not know how many of each rarity will exist in the set. And that will be the key determining factor that influences supply. So do we just wait and see? Well, not really. I mean, we can make some assumptions for the purpose of the discussion, since we're not really here to nail down the price for a legendary Mickey Brave Little Taylor on June 15th, 2023, right? So when boxes are open, we don't know how many of each rare, super rare, and legendary will be opened, or how much rare, say, a legendary is compared to a super rare. We don't have this information yet, but we can assume that as we go up in rarity, there'll be less of each one available in the marketplace. And I will say it's extremely rare for a game to have five different mechanical rarities. What do I mean by mechanical rarities? Well, each card in Disney Workana is mechanically unique meaning that all 204 cards are completely independent of one another. You will not have a legendary that is simply the same card mechanically as a common with a different picture or a foil, for example, like other games do. Every Let It Go will be rare. Every Elsa Snow Queen will be uncommon. And every Maleficent Monstrous Dragon will be legendary. This may seem obvious, but in some games, the higher rarities may simply be foil or alternate art versions of a lower rarity card. Thus, it is simply a cosmetic upgrade for the card. And in order to play a copy of that card in the deck, you're not required to have that higher rarity option. This is not the case in Lorcana. If you want to play with four Maleficent Monstrous Dragons in your deck, you will need four of that legendary rare. 
I'll explain more when I talk about demand, but realistically, the entire economics of Disney Oricano will revolve around the legendary cards. Essentially, I feel dealers are going to be opening boxes to secure legendary cards. So any given dealer's inventory will look like Baymax here from Big Hero 6. A little itty bitty head on top, that's the legendaries, that balloons into a bigger body as we go down. That's all your other uh, rarities. Now, we don't, again, know the chances of opening an actual legendary. We just have to assume that the market is going to be dominated by people trying to get them out of packs. So while the market may not have as many super rares as rares, et cetera, down to common, the amount of any given rarity being available will ultimately be a factor of how many legendaries there are within the system. Thus, if I was able to assess the potential future prices of Larkana on the supply side alone, I would think it would have a massive pyramid structure, or like our boy here at Baymax, with legendary prices being very high and the lower rarities taking an immediate dive, even the super rares comparatively. Because from a supply side, legendaries will dominate the, the marketplace. Of the information we don't know yet, though, is the rarity of legendaries compared to rares, and that matters the most. The ratio of opening a legendary in one pack compared to like how many packs it takes to get a legendary as opposed to just getting a rare or a super rare. So instead of the instead of the quantity of them is also important. How many legendaries are there in the set in general? See, the price of legendaries as a factor of rares will be influenced by how many there are in a given pack. So but it won't be a one-to-one -one relationship. So here's an example from Magic the Gathering. In what I found, the latest full set as of this time was March the Machines for Magic. So Magic has four rarities. You have commons, uncommons, rares, and mythic rares. Mythic rares are essentially found in one of every 7.4 packs. So mythic rare is 7.4 times more rare than any rare in a given pack. There are 35 total mythics and 119 rares. So the ratio is essentially 3.4 rares per mythic. On average, however, mythics are only worth 4.5 to 5.5 times the value of a rare. So they're worth higher value than they are compared to how many that are that exist when looking at these ratios. So it's not an exact ratio of rarity to price, but there's additional factors that go in from both supply and demand. So what you see here, for example, is... Um, what you see here is this is the price to, to establish all the cards if you wanted a full set, just one of each card, um, as well as the average. If you look there, you see the average TCG player price and the low price. What's interesting, actually, is when sellers actually reduce their price down to the lower price, what you'll see here is the average rare at the low end is $0.91, cents, and the average mythic at the low end is almost $5. So you actually have a higher ratio, 5.5, of mythic to rare when people are actually pricing low than when you do when people are pricing at the the market, uh, the market median, which is one point thirty six for every rare and six almost six a little over six dollars for each mythic. Um, again, these are just on averages. Um, obviously, there are certain standouts um, and duds for each one of these. So, how many legendaries are there going to be in Morcana's first set? Well, this is a complete mystery, but we know three legendaries already. Mickey Mouse, Brave Little Terror, Maleficent, Monstrous Dragon, and Gantu, Galactic Federation Captain. In my opinion, this only leaves us with two logical options as to how many mythic, I mean, sorry, how many legendaries are going to be in 
in chapter one of Disney Oricana. The first option is seven. That's one per ink color. And then Brave Little Taylor is like the, I don't know, standout card of the set, like the the flagship card of the set. So you have one from each one from each color of ink, and then one just overall flagship card of the set in Brave Little Taylor. That gives you seven. Um, the reason why I think that's possible is because we've already seen two ruby and one steel. Um, so at that point, Brave Little Taylor would just be extra. The other option that I think makes sense is that you literally have 12 legendaries, which is two per ink color. That's because Brave Little Taylor and Monstrous Dragon are the ruby ones. That would mean we're still awaiting nine other legendaries to be spoiled with Gantu being the first of only two steel ones. That just seems like a lot to me. Um, and, you know, given the fact that there are 204 cards in the set with five mechanical rarities, I just can't imagine there being 12 legendaries because realistically there should be no more than 50 or 60 rares in the set. And a four or five to one ratio in the legendaries to, to rares is just too low of a ratio. So let's think of it this way. If we assume a 204 card set, let's say 50 rares. That means if there are seven legendaries, there's a 7.1 to one ratio on quantity and likely a higher legendary to rare price because there are five rarities instead of four. So it's really next to impossible to find a comparable game with five distinct mechanical rarities. Some games use a fifth rarity for alternate arts, as I mentioned earlier, but mechanically distinct is almost impossible to find. So, and any real life example that I was able to find already has demand factors put into consideration, like how many cards you have to use in your deck, you know, how what's popular in the metagame, things like that, that I'll go over under demand. So it's really not fair for me to like, just compare it to other options. I did find a couple games that had occasionally five distinct rarities, but it's just too hard to find one that's an example. So I do think Orkana is going to be unique from, from an economic standpoint. That's really what interests me so much in making these types of videos. If you made it this far and you're looking for more Larkana economic options, please subscribe to our channel and be notified when the new videos drop. I plan to cover this demand side soon in the next video, and you don't want to miss that. As you may know, we're running a contest on our climb to 1,000 subscribers. Every 100 subscribers we get will give away one set of Disney 100 sleeves from the Bushy Road. Please comment below. For this video, let's get ahead of the demand video, and I, I have a question for you all. How do you plan to collect Larkana? Do you plan to have a full playset for each card? Just one of each card, more of each card. And what do you plan to do with the foils that you open? Do you plan to trade them, use them in your deck, collect a full set of them, collect a play set of them? What do you plan to do with those? Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. I hope you enjoyed it. Leave a comment below. See you next video.